I am loving the energy of my new house. Good energy, uh, huh? Better it, energy yeah. than the old place. Way better. Now, did you do any cleansing, any sage, any holy water? No, nothing like that. Um, and I don't even, I don't have no idea what it is. But, and, and part of it, I'm certain, is just this bitter taste that we have in our mouths after Oh, the other place. Yeah. But but do you think it could also be like maybe where the sun, like maybe you guys are facing the sun now and you weren't yes, before sort of situation? I, I think so because it's so much warmer. At our old house, we were both constantly cold all the time, every second of every day of every year, except for two days, which we were extremely hot. But that was just because we were in a heat hot. wave. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> But this one is so much more, like, so much better. I've done a seance at your old place. Yeah, I mean, it was it was weirdly cold. Like, <laughs> for, like I'm bundled up in the middle of summer kind of thing. It was the weirdest. Yeah, I think you were probably definitely in some sort of, like, portal or ghost trap. Perhaps. I am getting super bummed, though, about Twitter. Like, I feel, I feel sad. I, I'm kind of excited because I feel like maybe something better will emerge. I hope so. But like, you know, like I met my husband because of Twitter. Oh my God. That's so cute and sad I, now. I like, and so many of my but you're friends. you're right. Yeah. Like, and Elon Musk is driving it into the ground. But don't you like, think there's a lot of people who felt that way about MySpace? Yeah, you're probably Facebook? right. Yeah, yeah. I think that's probably true. And you just have to move on and... End of an era. Force them out. Yeah, I feel like there should be a um, young adult novel that's like some washed up Vine star. And they like... They were huge on Vine, and then Vine went away, and then they have to deal with the fallout. I knew some guys like that. Yeah, yeah. Which is funny you bring that up, because I knew them from Second City, and they were brothers, and they were big on Vine. The Vine went away, and then they had to like rebuild their following, and they were constantly like recording everything they did, and it oh, freaked geez. everybody out. Well, yeah, yeah, that is pretty freaky. But it's funny you bring it up because also today's topic, what I'm talking about is, I'll just tell you, is the Republican, mostly Republican, elite, sleepaway camp, the Bohemian Grove. And I actually knew a performer from Second City who performed there and had like watched Dick Cheney piss on a tree. <laughs> Molly's jaws dropped <laughs> You introduce, introduce the podcast and I will talk. Welcome to Sex with Ghosts. I'm Bridget here with my elite hater, 
Molly. Thank you very much. So what do you know about the Bohemian Grove? I know nothing. The first thing I thought of when you said that, though, was Madison Cawthorn's orgy <laughs> drama. <laughs> Is that where Republicans go to have orgies and do coke? Um, I mean, I guess gay orgies <laughs> because it's gentlemen's only. I, I like how I, I added an S to a plural word. I, I feel like that might that might be true. I don't know. But, well, we'll we'll talk about it. Okay, but you do you know what I'm talking about when I say that? No, but okay. Is it a quick? Um, I feel like I might. I remember him getting into trouble. Yes. And thinking, oh, I'm so glad that idiot's gone. But then yes. I can't even remember now what he did or like what the one thing. You know what I mean? He was so scummy for so he, many yes. things yes. that you're like, okay, well at least we found something and got him out of here. So that was, yeah, that was the thing. He had done many, many bad things. He was a very terrible person, generally, all across still the Still is. Board. I think he's still alive. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. But when he talked about, he did an interview and he talked about orgies and coke at some Republican event. Oh, wasn't that at the National Convention in, like, Maybe. Florida? Perhaps. But the idea was that it wasn't until that, like, obviously, they, they, the Republican Party was happy to accept him in until. Oh, yeah. He was like their disabled yes. mascot. Like, see, we accept everyone. Yes. This white guy in a wheelchair. We're so open minded. <laughs> but, in, but after that, they're like, no, we turn on, we, they turned on him and he, is yeah, he wasn't nobody, smart you know, enough so. or have enough power for them to like kick around, probably literally and figuratively. Well, the Bohemian Grove, like I said, is it's an all men's club that started in 1872, and it's located in a campground. I guess the exact address is 2601 Bohemian Avenue in. Monte Rio, California. They have an owl as their mascot or symbol that appears again and again. The club has a waiting list that is at least 15 to 30 years long and allegedly has 20,000, quote, men of talent on the waiting list. And each year in mid-July... The Bohemian Grove hosts this two-week encampment, and it's filled with the most prominent men of the world. So we're talking Rumsfeld, Kissinger, two former CIA directors, including Daddy Bush, Masters of War, oligarchs, the Bechtels, the Basses, the board members of the top military contractors, such as Halberton. Lockhead Martin, or Lockheed, sorry, Northrop Grumman, and the Carlisle Group. We're talking Rockefellers, Morgans, captains of industry, and CEOs across the spectrum of American capitalism. But we also have members, including Mark Twain, the socialist Jack London, who wrote a novel called Before Adam, which was about humanity being ruled by a small group of idiots who are destroying the world. 
Current members also include Steve Miller, Clint Eastwood, two former members of the Grateful Dead, Mickey Hart and Bob Weir. We have these activities that they take part in that covers about 109 acre mangrove. And within this grove, there are 120 what's described as rustic camps. And members get assigned to each camp and they have really cool names like Mandalay, which is considered the fanciest. Uh, There's a camp called Hillbillies. (laughs) There's one called Derelicts. There's one called Five Easy Pieces. We have a classic camp named Poison Oak and Rattlers. So there's like tons of names for the different camps. I think there's even one called like dragons. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, I don't. And there's red lanterns hung oh, around that camp. This seems or at least really. in the article I read, which was like I think that article was written way before PC culture was really a thing. So I don't know if that's still up to date that they have the red lanterns, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did. Now Mickey Hart, he belongs to the posh hillbillies camp and Rumsfeld's there. Uh, Walter Conkrite was there. Daddy Bush was there. Yeah. Okay. Buckley. Can we take a pause for a second? Mm-hmm. How much of, wait, did I bring the gay sex into this or did you? Well, you brought the sex and I made okay. it gay. Uh, well, I mean, cause it has to be right. Because it's all men. Yeah. No women are allowed at all. Which feels like literally, it, it, it's not the same, but it is the same. Yeah, because like the last vestiges of whatever this good old boys club, I mean, there is obviously good old boys club everywhere, but like the last like, official ones sound to be seem to be like this and you know those exclusive golf clubs or whatever where they were like you can only golf on here if you're a male or whatever or they put standards in that they hide the gender sure rule but you know like you definitely have to be a man in order to achieve the status okay so like could could you look up this place on line and be like can i reserve a a booking you can't okay it's because they okay they own the encampment and which we'll talk about some people who okay have snuck it oh okay and for those wondering which probably no one really is because i doubt we have a lot of deadhead fans (laughs) but weir is actually in the rattlers so that's kind of an interesting difference right because i think we think of like Mickey Hart and we're Bob Weir in the same. Oh, they're both like hippie musician artists are probably in the same camp. But you you have to be like sponsored and you have to also get the sponsorship of a camp. So you don't really get to choose wow. where wow. which camp you belong to. You sort of the camp has to decide to sort of sponsor you. This is bizarre. I have never heard of this ever. 
Really? Um, yeah. No. Okay. Because it's I'm... parodied sometimes. Alex Jones. I mean, let's get the Alex Jones shit out of the way. Because I'm not. I tried to watch his documentary. You can watch it on YouTube. It's like hour and a half long. And I watched probably about half of it while I was uh, prepping my dinner stuff because we were making pasta. You got to make the dough and the filling and whatnot. And a lot of it was just him trying to spin this as like a place where they're sacrificing humans. Is the point that like what year was it that Alex Jones made this? He went in there in the year 2000. Okay. And there's a couple good, like, we're going to talk about one of them that's really good from 1989. Philip Weiss wrote an article for the magazine Spy. And, like, Alex Jones in the beginning of his documentary, like, is like, well, they they made it seem like it was a cool thing. And it, when you read the article, he didn't make it seem like a cool thing at all. <laughs> and so I'm like... Why does Alex Jones have to make everything like so heightened? Yeah. Well, and I feel like I mean, other it, than I know why, because it gets yes, in clicks, but it it does. But like, I I feel like things have changed so much since then that it if they had if he had made it in the year. 2020, 2021, 2022, it would not have been the same thing, you know? Well, and it's interesting, too, because I was thinking about this while I was doing the research, and I didn't Google it. We can Google it right now. But I was thinking about it, and it's like, clearly Donald Trump is not a member. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, yes. And good. that feeds Be that relationship. Like, yeah. that's why Donald Trump is not considered one of these like baby eating elitists because right. the baby eating elitists will not let him into the club. Right. The same. Yeah. Like he tried to buy an NFL team and they're like, no, you can't. They're like, no, you're, you're yes. a fucking psychopath. And maybe he's a member now because he's been a president. Ew. Because if you're a man of prominence, sure. That expedites your membership. But I feel like even now they still wouldn't let him. Yeah. I think, I mean, that's the whole Lincoln Project thing where it's like, no, I am a conservative man pushing back against this, like. Yeah, and I'm sure there's members of the Lincoln Project in this group. Yes, yes. Wow, this is a fun story. I love it, especially since <laughs> I'm like, I'm like right here. Molly was rubbing her hands together as she was saying that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so what and i mean obviously nowadays san francisco is known for so many like things and like and homoeroticism is one yeah, of them <laughs> is one of them but also like douchebag uh tech bros is also another one yeah like there's a reason why they picked yeah. san francisco peter teal anybody yeah yeah, see episode four or whatever. Jeez, this is a crazy, crazy thing. Yeah. So it's mostly two weeks of heavy drinking, super secret talks, druid worship. And the group, you know, kind of denies that they're like doing full druid shit, but we'll get into that. 
and that they're just revering the Redwoods. In the first 50 years of the club's existence, the Bohemian Grove was pretty accessible to outsiders. But then in the 1930s, as the club had gained influence and its Redwood had provided a haven for Republican presidents, it grew more secretive about its rituals and membership. And it's hard, allegedly, it's hard to find the Grove on public maps. (laughs) But I'm sure anyone with Google Maps can find it. Well, I don't, I don't know, because sometimes I wonder about that kind of thing, especially if Google as a Silicon Valley company. Well, they're probably not going to give you the street level view. Yes, yes. I mean, especially if, well, I guess at that point, it's like, well, they probably can't because I have to imagine there's gates, right? Uh, well, it's a satellite, so you could go. Well, yeah, but most of the yeah street view though oh. requires the cars. Also, if you're listening to this and you're doing a street view version, looking it up and you find something, let us know because <laughs> yeah. we're not gonna Google it during this episode. <laughs> so, despite all of these people being people of influence, they do have a motto that is posted. Um, in a lot of places, especially on the plaque at the Bohemian Club in San Francisco at the clubhouse. And that phrase is weaving spiders come not here, meaning business deals are not to be brought inside. That's good. I'm glad. The one at least. Oh, go ahead. That. Well, I mean, that seems like a really positive thing to me because if it were more like oh we are planning world domination but yes it happens anyways for instance the one big exception was in 1942 when planning for the manhattan project took place at the grove which led to the atomic bomb if you're not familiar with the manhattan project well yeah yeah i mean there there's i think that there's a difference though and i'm not like trying to defend this or anything but because obviously it's very horrifying but the idea that like you would make connections with people who feel similarly to you and go forward with some sort of project makes sense whereas like having it be some sort of transactional we're here at the same place so yeah it's more like a elitist networking party where, yes, like, if you've yes. ever been to a networking yeah. event, it's mostly drinking yeah. and, like, shitty small yes. foods. And you're, like, getting blacked out with people. And so, like, does business come up? Yeah. But does also, like, weird compromising situations come up with your colleagues? Yeah. Because there's alcohol involved. Yes. I, yeah. I, that's how I see it, for sure. So, one thing that is strongly encouraged from everything I read is you must be publicly pee which probably leads to some of these presidential hot hot takes because most presidents have been a member of this and let's let's hear what they had to say about it so we have herbert hoover who went on record and said it's the greatest men's party on earth which is pretty interesting Uh, just for just so, just for the 
audience's information. Herbert Hoover was born in Iowa, mm-hmm. the only president. So, and I went to Herbert Hoover Elementary School. Oh, so it was a big deal <laughs> for me personally. I had to deal with a lot of Herbert Hoover information drilled into my brain as a small child. But he's he's not a good president. He caused so. the Great Depression. Or, I mean, he didn't do anything to prevent it, I should say. Uh, I would totally believe that he said that. And I'm kind of disappointed in my uh, elementary school teachers. Why did you not tell me about this? About the Bohemian Crow? How much Herbert Hoover liked whipping his D out from other dudes? Indeed. Uh, Richard Nixon. Now, whoever's editing this, there's a beep coming up here. But... uh, he coined it the most fatty goddamn thing you could ever imagine. Yeah. Okay. There is th- this whole thing just feels like gay orgy. <laughs> Thousands percent. Well, and aside from the public peeing, there's also a lot of members who wear kilts with nothing underneath. And. Just to be fair, I do find that this kind of thing is like it could be really positive. Like men shouldn't have to be embarrassed about like, you know, penises or whatever. Well, and that's part of what this feels like. Like, oh, we can all whip our dicks out here because we're all straight. You know, like, yeah, there's a there's still a machismo sort of bullshit behind it where it's not like a bunch of men being men which i'm sure that's what they would tell you but i'm sure the moment like a man seems slightly effeminate or gay or not what they considered like a standard uh straight man behavior i i think they probably do get weird or weird around certain company i don't think it's like a free-for-all it's not a madison cawthorn Though I have to think, I really do, I don't know, it doesn't seem like anyone would be called out, though. Like, if someone literally took someone back to their I think it probably depends on your status. Eh, maybe. Like, if you're Kissinger and you took a boy, (laughs) and I should say, there are really no boys. They don't really like accepting anyone under the age of 30. Which is also funny because in a lot of the articles I read, if people talk to members, they would complain about how it's an old boys club. Well, that make that makes sense to me because I feel like it's been, well, I mean, this might be a, a newer age kind of take, but the idea that like there are these young people who are like hip with the trends or whatever, you don't want to invite them because they're not the long standing people in power they're just like a blip on the radar you need the people who are gonna be there but i'm sure i would be surprised if elon musk was a member today well yeah but he's old i mean technically he's old how old is he he like 40 i think he's i feel like he's older than that but i'm gonna look it up he's 51 born in 71 Okay, but he's probably been a member for... I I would not be surprised if he was a member for the last 15 years. I mean, his dad had emerald mines. Sure, but at that point, he's in his 30s, so... 
Yeah, I mean, it is. I can see why you don't want someone younger. Yeah, because they're going to puke. Young people are. Yeah, they are going to puke and they are dumb and they can make really stupid decisions. Dumb and full of cum. And maybe that's why Madison Cawthorn was all pissy about it because he's like, I didn't get invited to that orgy. And they're like, it's not because you're in a wheelchair. It's because you're young. It's because you're too young. And, and and they were right because he didn't get reelected. So it's like, you can't just go with every new well, and thing. Well, he's not an, an heir of real. No, nope, right? he's not. He's just right. like a war veteran who happened to. Well, no, the, no, he's not. He's not though. a vet? He, I... I, you know what? I kind of want to do a Madison Cawthorn episode for you because he his story is fucked up. Is that a hint for next week? Yeah, exactly. I will do that. He, oh, God. He's a... Yeah. Funny story. <laughs> funny story. Um, And then former President Bill Clinton once told a heckler, the Bohemian Club... Did you say Bohemian Club? That's where those rich Republicans go up and stand naked against the redwood trees, right? I've never been to the Bohemian Club, but you ought to go. It'd be good for you. You could get some fresh air. And according to Alex Jones, President Clinton hasn't been there, which wouldn't surprise me either way. But I imagine Bill Clinton had been there or has even recently been there because why would Bill Clinton not be there? Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure. I can see it both ways because it depends if. Well, no, in the 90s, I bet he has. He's definitely been there by now, I feel like. Yeah. Like he's been there at least once. <laughs> I'm like trying to think of the mean girl situations where he like shows up and Ken stars there or whatever. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. There, there's some. It's, it's, it's interesting because, like, but he's pals with Kissinger. He, if anything, I'm sure Hillary would make him go at least once to be like, "You need to go and talk to these guys <laughs> and tell me what the fuck they're talking about." Oh man, I feel <laughs> this is a weird aside, but I just have to say it because I feel bad for Matthew. I like, I'm constantly on Matthew to like go, go do your net, go network with these people. And I, I kind of feel bad about it sometimes. <laughs> I think it's good because there's a really good SNL sketch about how like men, how they really don't have friends. Yeah. And there's, it's like the equivalent of taking your dog to a dog park. But you're taking your boyfriend or husband to a man park <laughs> to meet other men. Please engage with other people. It's a toxic culture we have here. We do. So... Locals, not a big fan of this. The Sonoma County Free Press, which I'm not sure if it still exists, but they, because I tried to go to their website and I got an error message, but it might have been a bad link from whatever it was I was clicking from. They had published um, investigative stories on the Grove, at least since the 1980s. Protests take place every year at the Bohemian Grove. It draws a lot of attention for a lot of different reasons. And one of the interesting coverages I read about this was from a Vanity Fair editor. And it's kind of important to remember it's post 9-11 because I'm going to talk about 
another infiltration of the camp that's before 9-11. And I think that the security differences kind of are obvious. So in 2008, Alex Shomatov snuck into the encampment and he wrote this article for Vanity Fair about the experience. And then actually, I drew a lot of my research or previous facts I've mentioned to you from his article because he was very thorough in his research. And much of the article, and I encourage anyone to read this because it's it's more into the politics of these politicians, which is has to do with the conservation of the Redwoods and the effect the Bohemian Club has on it. Because since the Bohemian Club owns Bohemian Grove, there's like certain environmental laws are supposed to adhere to with the growth of the redwoods. And I think that was the initial point of view for Alex when he wrote this article. And because of how frustrating it was trying to communicate to the Bohemian Club about what they were, how they were interacting with these laws led him to be like, I'm going to sneak into this fucking camp and see what's going on and what the real deal of this is. Because prior to him sneaking in, we had the Alex Jones hour and a half documentary from which I could tell is just like trying to make people admit that there's like something more sadistic going on. And the spy article, which I'll get to. Politics had changed a lot because the Weiss article came out in 1989. And so here we are at 2008, which is so weird to think about now because I remember in 2008 feeling like, oh, the world is progressive in a lot of ways. We just like elected a black president and people are for universal health care. And so it just that whole bullshit about Barack running on hope for change felt real. And I think we can now all say it was not real. Yes. But I do think that that isn't, well, skip that. Cut that. <laughs> um, um, well, and I think Alex's article is poignant on showing how not progressive it was in the sense that California blue state has all these like conservation laws. Like we're going to build up these redwoods and protect them. And then this club, which is like the most prominent club in the country is trying to skirt around environmental laws and regulations. And it, it's like, no matter how much as a society, most of us think, Oh, this is headed in the right direction. There's, a group of assholes who are like, uh, yeah, but that doesn't apply to us. <laughs> sure. Yeah. What, what are you thinking? It's, it's like the idea that the populist movement has been infiltrated by conservatives. And if we had done the populist movement back then, it would have been good for everyone. Like more manageable. And probably not as extreme as it is now. But that's like part of the pendulum swing. Like it's going to be more yes, extreme yes, until right, right. something extreme stops it. So it, it's just so disappointing because it's like 
I get what Alex Jones was trying to expose here, but it's like that would never happen today. Well, and he misses the mark. Like you well, can't sure. go into a documentary questioning everyone and being like, did you know these guys are sacrificing yeah, right. humans? Like, right. That's not investigating. That is a, a clearly biased standpoint yes, yes. that does he even like that's I think that's one of the things that I love the jinx so much for instance it's like obviously we're talking about like one person but it's like a super rich guy and he agreed to make this documentary about himself and the documentary makers never really like go even though they have suspected him they, they actually made a fictionalized version of his life prior to making the documentary that was clearly like this guy is a murderer and then this guy robert durst it's obvious fucking gordon like yeah let's make a documentary and i'll show you everything and they're like yeah why not <sighs> and so they treated him like a friend and they had like intimate conversations with him and never saying like blatantly like you're a murderer fuck you which is what alex jones yeah, does yeah. right and so, like, right, yeah. they get to the reveal because he felt like he was in the safe spot where right. his mic was left on and said, oh, now you've done it, you fucking idiot, or whatever. I'm sorry to anyone who hasn't seen the jinx. And and so, like, that's how investigative reporting should be done. Like, you have to make the space safe so you can get mm -hmm. the intel. And Alex Jones sure. just comes in swinging a bat, breaking <laughs> everything. So we don't yeah. even know what the real truth is because everything's broken, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. No, that makes sense to me. This guy, he doesn't get, he's not as bad as Alex Jones, but he is coming in pretty abrasive. But I do like <laughs> some of his takes. So I've included some of his reporting, such as in the Bohemian Club, Bohemian means something completely different from the free-living, poverty-stricken artists the word usually conjures. It means towing the party line. United we stand. Unbohemian means being disloyal, betraying the pack, the global dominance group. It's the worst, worst thing a member can be called. That doesn't... <sighs> Okay, first, that doesn't make any sense. You can't just invent another definition of a word. Oh, right. Well, and I think with, well, I mean, bohemian is like, to me, one of the worst words. I, when I first learned about like what, oh, starving artist, bohemia. Yes, I love it. And then I saw the opera in which the term is actually based off of. And it's extremely extremely depressing and then it was like oh this is really just about poor people and it turned into like something romanticized because of this opera and then you have rich elitists or people of a higher class or education taking this term and saying well we are men of bohemia because we recognize art and intellect over money and status which is clearly only somebody of higher status would say that because they don't have any diversity to see how fucking flawed and blind their point of view is yeah so like 
bohemia now when people use the word bohemia in any sort of sense i'm a little like are you queuing up yeah i suppose you just shouldn't because it won't the the term is lost on me now i feel like when people use it you might be implying that you're unvaccinated good lord and i think all the people in the opera would have been vaccinated if they could have been (laughs) that's how tragic that opera is anyways alex had to prepare himself to pass in the encampment so i i liked how he describes this but having grown up and been educated with the old blue blood ruling class i have the preppy draw and i know how to dress for such occasions hot rustic echo hiking shoes Brooks Brothers khaki pants, a light green Ralph Lauren polo golf shirt, a blue pebble beach range, and a blue Tilly's safari jacket. My hair and beard were cut short and neatly trimmed. I told my Czech barber in Montreal to make me look like a Republican. She had no idea what I was talking about, but I could pass for the brother of H.R. Haldeman. This is just disgusting I, and i love that the person to infiltrate this is somebody who clearly went to an ivy league school <laughs> and he was able to talk to members while he was there getting the quote from one member sometimes the homoerotic themes can get weird <laughs> because within all the like sketch comedy and stuff that goes on there's a lot of drag. Okay. When you were watching this Alex Jones thing, how much of it was actual footage? So he does get actual footage of a ceremony they'll talk about called the cremation of care. But how much of it was just Alex Jones talking about it? Or having other people talk about it or him going yeah, up to people just yeah. saying like, do, do you know that there's elitists no. in the woods? Like... <sighs> That I think I got through at least half of it, and half of it was just him going up to people saying, What do you know about yeah. the elitists in the woods? And it was like, Thanks. What, what the fuck, dude? Um, I mean, just because, like, like I said, you're just swinging a baseball bat, you're not going to garner any real reactions because you're coming in so loaded. When Alex went to this this encampment of that year. The events that were lined up were the great pop hits of World War II, gypsy music, mushrooms, Hollywood and its global audience, Sam Cooke, National Geographic's Genographic Project, Cajun music. There were talks at the lake and the museum, which reflected the growing anxiety in the grove. America, We Have a Problem by Bohemian Norman Augustine. The Future Isn't What It Used to Be by Ken Jowett. There were other events such as the role of nuclear in America's energy choices, Always Be Present, the role of religion in American politics, Past Ideals, Future Strategy by James Billington. Bohemian and the Librarian of Congress. 
Uh, Tony Snow was scheduled to talk, who was one of George W. Bush's more effective press secretaries. He His talk was called Life in the Press Room. And he actually died, I think, that day of colon cancer. What? Oh, oh but they didn't change the programs. The, he was scheduled to talk. And then. Holy yeah. crap. And Alex himself doesn't last long in the camp. He gives a really great story, he kind of breaks it up while talking about the issues with the forestry and the environmental laws in this group, but then also explaining sort of like his crescendo into breaking into the camp and getting caught, which, like I said, pre-9-11, so you had to have some sort of identification on you that you're a guest because guests are allowed here. But it's like a lot of paperwork and sponsorship. And so when you talk to people who are like, you don't seem to fit in or something seems off, you know, he'd be like, oh, I'm a guest. And then eventually security caught up to him and he got caught and he got kicked out. (laughs) And from what I understand, it was before he could even watch the, um, the, what was it called? Serum, some sort of ceremony you were talking about? The cremation of care. But we'll get to that because Philip Weiss, pre-9-11, 1989, infiltrator for Spy Magazine, did get to watch this ceremony. So you're saying that back before 9-11... It's just easier to sneak into. Because like okay. Weiss explains that he was supposed to have similar sort of like documentation that he was a guest and you know he was telling certain people he was going to go and do this article and like low bergman for instance who was a producer of 60 minutes he he actually used to hunt rabbits nearby and he told him like you know they're gonna spy you sneaking in but philip weiss did his research and he was able to sneak in with the help of a woman and he writes But by then, I made my connection. My driver was Barry Moore, an earth mother type with long, silvery blonde hair, who is the most active member of a distinctly Californian left-wing group called the Bohemian Grove Action Network. And uh, Moore, I think she even recently talked to Vice Magazine about, uh, about the whole thing. Moore agreed to help me get in, providing me with some sort of underground railroad. She put at my service a mountain guy who demanded only that I keep the methods he devised for me confidential. He had a keen geographical sense and a girlfriend who described a plan to seed magic crystals at the grove gates to make them open their own accord so that Native American drummers could walk in. We didn't do it that way, but it turned out the Grove security isn't quite what it's reputed to be. Wow. That's a bizarre story. So Weiss gets in, he publishes this article inside Bohemian Grove. And one of the funny things he writes is, you know you're inside the Bohemian Grove when you come down a trail in the woods and hear piano music from amid a group of tents and then around a bend to see a man with a beer in one hand urinating into bushes. This is the most glorified in ritual of the encampment. 
freedom of powerful men to pee wherever they like, a right that the club has invoked even when trying to fight government anti-sex discrimination efforts, and one curtailed only when it becomes to a few popular redwoods just outside the dining circle. And he himself also had his own costume for blending in. He writes, I outfitted myself in conservative recreational wear, a pressed plaid shirt, perma pressed chinos, top ciders, a short jacket. I always carried a drink and I made it a point to have the morning's Wall Street Journal or the New York Times under my arm when I surfaced. Though television is against the rules, newspapers are sold at the Grove Civic Center. And so he was able to be there, I think it was like six of the 16 days of the camp. So he got to see a wow, lot. That's um, pretty impressive. He was able to see some speeches, songs, elaborate drag shows, endless toasts, pre-breakfast gin fizzes, around the clock, nembutols, and other <laughs> drinks. And he said he didn't sleep in any of the camps or swim naked with the like-minded bohemians in the Russian River at night. But he really didn't have any issue coming and going in the camp. And I think that's like, I think at that point in time, like with security and being like a white man, no one was going to like really say, hey, do you belong here? This is insane. Oh, yeah. So I have another excerpt for you. As the magic hour of nine, of 9.15 approached, a helicopter from a network news magazine circled frantically far above the darkened forest, searching out a spectacle lit at the point only by hundreds of cigars whose smokers had ignited them in defiance of the California Forest Service's posted warnings. My neighbor suggested that somebody ought to shoot the fucker down, flashing press hatred with prevails in Bohemia. My friends don't understand this, a pudgy 35-year-old in front of me confided to his companion. I know that if they could see it, they would just see how terrific it is. It's like great sex. It was the sort of analogy I was to hear often in the nearly 60 hours I spent inside the grove. The friend and I leaned closer. It's more than it's cracked up to be. You can't describe it, he explained. Then everyone hushed as a column of hooded figures carrying torches emerged solemnly from the woods a hundred yards away, bearing a corpse down to the water. So he's starting to describe the cremation of care and there's a literal corpse it's a figurative corpse okay but if you were to ask alex jones it's literal and another unwritten rule is that everyone drink and that everyone drink all the time this is a very sort of strict rule where weiss writes his method was to seize a large horse bucket throw a hunk of ice into it pour several bottles of gin and half a bottle of vermouth and slosh it around goes one grove roast recipe. So the cremation of care is intended to put the men of the club at ease and banish the stress of the outside world because it does involve this sort of corpse funeral procession. <laughs> it's obviously going to invoke conspiracy. And yeah. when they do it, they wear these um, cloaks, which are often sort of described as something similar that the Ku Klux Klan <laughs> might wear. Uh, they carry this corpse to the water and then they extinguish their torches. 
And then at some point, Hamadryads, which are tree spirits, and another priest or two appear at the base of the main owl shrine, which is a 40-foot tall moss-covered statue of stone and steel at the south end of the lake. And they sing songs about care. And they (laughs) tell of how a man's heart is divided between reality and fantasy and how it's necessary to escape to another world of fellowship among men. Vaguely homosexual undertones suffused the spectacle as they do much of the ritualized life in the grove. The main priest wore a pink and green satin costume while the Amadryad appeared before a redwood in a gold spangled bodysuit dripping with rhinestones. I feel like we're almost describing a Liberace concert. They spoke of fairy unjuance or that would free men to pursue warm fellowship. And I was reminded of something Herman Wolk wrote about the Grove. Men can decently love each other. They always have, but women never quite understand. Wow. Then the crypt of care was pulled slowly down by the lake by a black-robed figure in a black gondola accompanied by a great deal of special effects smoke. Jeez. Just as the priest, and this is 1989, (laughs) just as the priest set out to torch the crypt, a red light appeared high in the redwood, and a large speakers in the forest amplified the cackling voice of care. Fools! When will ye learn that me ye cannot slay? Year after year ye burn me in this grove. But when again ye turn your feet towards the marketplace, am I not waiting for you as of old? With that, care spat upon the fires, extinguishing them. The priest turned in desperation to the owl. Oh, thou great symbol of all mortal wisdom, owl of Bohemia, grant us thy counsel. Which is kind of interesting that this owl is so important because in the Vanity Fair article, they're talking about how they're getting rid of all this forestry and how it's actually preventing, it's like destroying the owl population. No, no. Every year there are new wrinkles on the cremation ceremony. The big improvement this year was a project of sort of hologram onto the owl's face so that its beak seemed to move. Also, it was Walter Concrete talking, Concrete camps and hillbillies, along with George H.W. Bush, William F. Buckley Jr., and former astronaut and ex-Eastern Airlines chairman Frank Borman. Concrete, as the owl, said that the only way care could be cremated was to use a fire from the lamp of fellowship. Before him, an eternal gas flame burns day and night while the encampment is on. That did it. Care went up in blazes. Around me, the men exploded in huzzas. Fireworks went off at the lakeside. A brass band in peppermint striped jackets and straw boaters came out of the woods playing There'll be a hot time in Old Town tonight. Suddenly, appearance of men in striped jackets shows what a 
portfolio base of traditions in the Grove is Bohemian club literature is pious on its score. It boasts that the cremation of care ceremony derives Druid rites, medieval Christian liturgy, the Book of Common Prayer, Spakesherian drama, and 19th century American lodge rites. In Weiss's reporting, he also brings up the political and business significance of the camp, pointing out that it's a great place to get a campaign started. Uh, famously, I think Reagan joined the club in 1975 and then ran for president in 1976. Yeesh. And the other thing I really enjoyed about Weiss's article, and I I don't want to go into too many details because I think everybody should read it because it's really interesting. It's a lot of like funny takes on Kissinger just saying like <laughs> inappropriate shit. Um, but he's like, here's all these telephone conversations happening because it's like before the cell phone. So like he like over here is like, for instance, one guy talking about how he made a deal with the Portland Opera to have like a famous opera singer come to wherever he's at and it it's just like this like interesting splice of you know history and time but that's most of what i have about the bohemian grove all right so this sounds to me very much like any sort of like elks club or moose's lodge or typical male bonding version except for because it's in california presumably and there were these rich famous people that belonged to it it just garnered more rich famous people and that's really the only reason why they are there like because otherwise it really does just sound kind of typical you know do you know did you you know what i'm saying yes except that the difference between this and like an elks club is that there are relationships and decisions made that affect real life and death and real people's lives whereas like your elks club is like Probably just a bunch of dudes in your hometown. And maybe they are making, you know, obviously network connections. They're going to affect your local laws. But for better or for worse, this is affecting us globally. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely understand that. But it does feel a little bit like there's not much you can really do about it. I don't think there's much you can do about it without it. adding another like fascist layer right like you can't say like well we have to get rid of all the clubs that only allow men because it's like shouldn't shouldn't that technically be their right to have a club based on gender i mean how do you regulate that yes other than like in a lot of their forestry stuff or at least at the time of Alex's article for Vanity Fair, it seemed like a lot of what they were trying to do to skirt those environmental laws was being shot down by California government. Yeah. I just can't even imagine what it's like now, though. It has to be, like, so different. And 
Well, I imagine it's like creepier in some ways. Yeah, I just don't, I don't understand. Well, well and that's what's interesting is like the guy I knew who performs, I guess I still know him. He's not dead. <laughs> um, I don't want to out him or who he performs with, but like when that came up, it was like we were at a work meeting and somebody was like, oh, so-and-so is going to be out because they have to go to their annual Republican <gasps> retreat. And I was, it was like, what? <laughs> and then he was very insistent that like, and he's like a guy from the Midwest too. So he's like very insistent on like, you know, it's just like a bunch of dudes getting drunk together. And for this guy to go there and perform for these knuckleheads, it's it sort of said to me like, I kind of thought like, well, if this, this is obviously full of like really important people, but like they're pulling in this guy for entertainment and not that this guy wasn't a great performer, but he's not a, no one knows this guy. He's not a household name. Like he does stuff in the entertainment industry, but if you looked him up, it he's not significant. And well, I thought that was interesting. Cause it's like, yeah, when you be pulling, I mean, they do have significant artists, a part of their group, but they could pull better entertainment, if that makes sense. Well, that's or more what, known, uh, renowned. Sure, but are are they, would you describe this man's comedy as like kind of particularly aimed towards a conservative white man? Only because he's a white man. Like, okay. I think he, I mean, the most I'll say, I guess, about him is that he's like a second city person. And Second City is really good at making comedy that like anyone can enjoy. So even if you're doing something satirical, it's still going to be like digestible for someone who maybe doesn't have the same point of view as you. Okay. So he's like very safe. Okay. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think so. So he's like a great person to have. He's he is as a performer, ideal for these people. But if if it were like global domination and like baby, yeah. I think he would have more money <laughs> or be sure. more successful. Right? Like, I, yeah. It just like you're going to dance with the devil or are you going to get something yeah. out of it? it? It does feel like the people who are in it probably think it's more important than it is in actuality. I mean... It, but you can't under, I guess I also don't want to underestimate. Like, yes, yes. No, I agree. Because there is still this idea that, of course, as a woman, you are, you're cut off at the knees. Like you clearly don't get to have these interactions like a Mike Pence kind of situation. I mean, that being said, I wouldn't be surprised if like Hillary found a way to like show up and like man drag and like passes a dude their wikipedia page says that there's been like four honorary women members or whatever oh who are they um four women were made honorary members in the club's first two decades though they were not given full privileges of regular members oh and the first two decades so we're talking like late 1800s okay okay 
Yeah, one of them was Elizabeth Crocker Bowers, a stage actress and theatrical manager. She gave great head. As, uh, this is a weird, this is a weird story for sure. But also, like, I yeah, I, I think the important parts to note is just like, obviously the networking potential can't be underestimated, but the whole idea that like, they are drunk the entire weekend is very much like they're not making actual plans during this, you know, weekend. Well, and I think people who are tied to their careers, that line gets blurred a lot. I think that's why you have people like Weinstein exist because it's like work and play become the same thing. Oh, sure. Yeah. And I think that's kind of true for these guys. So it seems like, oh, they're all like sloppy and gross. But at the same time, like, I think some probably really bad evil shit has also came out of this. But if it wasn't there, it probably would have happened somewhere else. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that myself because, yeah, like it, a lot of the things you've talked about, I've experienced experienced on some level like uh after GeeklyCon, we like often get together and rent a cabin you know in the woods with 15 or people or whatever oh molly has her own bohemia club <laughs> and like there is a lot of pissing outdoors and you know like <laughs> people are drinking 24 7 and like so that part is like i can like see that on certain level but also the whole thing about that bohemian club it really does feel like they have appropriated the word bohemian like oh i think they appropriated everything everything like even the druid rituals yeah yeah and and that's the thing that like alex jones is like politicians love doing spiritualism and it's like every it kind of, that's like one of those things I think goes beyond class and power. I think people are just interested in energies that are beyond what we understand as humans. Like that's, you can't just say like only the rich and powerful right, yeah. are interested in that, manipulating that. Like go on TikTok. Everybody's fucking interested in that. And I don't know if you ever went to one of these things, but like even remembering like, going to summer camp as a kid, there was always weird rituals involved. And oh, yeah. Like your bug juice. Yes, like You're constantly. Like weird camp. Every camp has like some sort of like, we do this goofy weird thing. And you're like, I remember being a kid being like, I don't get it. But like everybody's into it. So I guess yeah. I'm into it. And, and that's what those kind of things sound like to me as well. Like, yeah, we have this we do the ceremony that only happens at this camp, but like, it doesn't really mean anything, but we keep doing it because we've always done it. Well, and that's part of the makings of like a cult, which yeah, yeah. really is culture. It's like, we're creating culture. We're creating a myth. We're creating something that everyone can buy into so that they buy into the experience. Like if it wasn't, this cremation of care ceremony, it probably would have been something else because that's how you keep people buying into the experience. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Molly, for letting me tell you about these weirdos in the woods. Yes, thank you. And I will definitely be checking out that article because it sounds fascinating. <laughs> um, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at MollyMM9. How about you? You can find me, same platforms, at Bridget underscore suck it. You can find this podcast at sexwithghosts underscore. You can show support for this podcast by giving us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to show further support, you can go to patreon.com slash sexwithghosts. Stay tuned for next week's episode on Medicine Cothorn. <laughs> I can't wait. Bye. Bye. Bye.